The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that's going to review songs for 30 minutes. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And there is absolutely nothing going on in the world of baseball. Yes, we have uh, inklings of, of news. Oh, the Astros are pushing for Josh Hader. Doesn't mean they're going to sign him. The Blue Jays signed Yariel Rodriguez. Jim Palmer got scammed. And there's a few other things that are happening that we aren't necessarily going to lead with. But instead, we would like instead to bring back one of our favorite guests to in- indulge in some classic baseball offseason activity, which is <laughs> reviewing some baseball music. Matthew Ritchie, our dear friend, is back. Hello, sir. Welcome back to Baseball Barbercast. Hello, hello. Thank you all for having me. This is actually um pretty funny timing because... Um, I don't know if anybody in the music world knows, but uh, Pitchfork got folded into DQ, and uh, which means they laid off a bunch of my friends, and uh, which is very sad and makes a lot of people mad. So, you know, it's nice to be talking about music um, in not a way that makes me sad. <laughs> so well, we've had you on. Yeah, we've had you on uh, in the past to talk about the sport of baseball, um, mm-hmm. but you are also a music aficionado and a music writer. Can you lay out some of your bona fides for people? Uh, yeah, I do album reviews for Pitchfork from time to time. Uh, I reviewed, you know, albums from Lil Uzi Vert to Freddie Gibbs uh, to YG, all that nonsense. Um, I, I wrote for GQ once. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've written for a lot of places once, um, and. And um, NPR, I did an essay on De La Soul and how they sort of reach streaming again and why they're so popular and why they're important to music. So I I, um, I think I have an okay grasp on music uh, from time to time. Mm-hmm. Now, most recently, uh, I believe you're, the most recent review I saw uh, you write was, was about uh, was 21 Savage. And yes. we are going to transition from 21 Savage to Adam Wainwright. Uh, Ronnie Rodriguez, <laughs> Marcus Stroman, 
Nick Gordon, and Tyler Beatty. Those are our five artists we will be discussing today. Some of which, if you're listening to this, you know, first of all, you're like, Ronnie Rodriguez, is that the same Ronnie Rodriguez? Are we talking about him? We are going to review five songs. We have sent these songs to uh, Mr. Ritchie ahead of time so that he could listen. And uh, Jake, I know you were kind of leading the charge here in, in discovering some of these tunes. So how did you land on these five before we get started? Uh, uh, anybody can make music, right, in today's day and age. Anybody can make music. But should anybody is the question that drives today's exercise. These songs were made by people who reached the top of their field. These are five big leaguers, okay? In Adam Wainwright's case, like a hall of very gooder. Now, do they need (laughs) to make music publicly? Maybe. We're going to get into that with Mr. Ritchie. Yes, Jordan. But but most importantly, I do not feel remotely qualified to say with a straight face any sort of judgment about any sort of tunes. So Jake and I, of course, we could get on here in the way that they can make music. We can get on here and pretend like we know what good music is and isn't. But since Matthew Ritchie has much more experience actually doing so, we will defer to him. And I am excited to get his professional opinion and just sit back and and uh, see what he thinks. One more thing before we hop in. We are going to have some emails read in the second half of this show. We will say goodbye to Ritchie for that process. But I, when we post this on the Internet, Jordan, people are going to say, wow, there really is nothing going on. Uh, and yeah, there is nothing uh, going on. So we, we have reached that moment, that point where we are having a qualified professional music reviewer talk about Adam Wainwright. Uh, Mr. Ritchie, where would you like to begin? I think I would like to begin at the one that I clicked on first, and that was Nick Gordon's My Life and Nick Gordon's I'm the Man. Great. Uh, okay. Wonderful place to start. So before so we, we get to the song, we should explain uh, who who Nick Gordon is <laughs> and wh- under what moniker uh, this young man has been making music. Okay, so Nick Gordon is still uh, in the Minnesota Twins organization. He was a was the fifth overall pick, I believe, um, in the twenty. 14 draft, I want to say. Uh, let me let me confirm that that year. Yep. Uh, 2014. Yep. Yes. Whew. And Nick Gordon, of course, the the brother uh, of D. Strange Gordon, uh, the son of of Tom Gordon. This is a, a baseball family through and through, and someone who for for a, for a long time in his career was kind of like disappointing as far as a fifth overall pick goes. But he did ultimately make it to the big leagues. Had a really good season in 2022. Really struggled with injuries in 2023 to the point where he was not really in the picture for Minnesota. But along the way, during his his come up through the minor leagues, he was producing a good amount of rap music under initially the name G Cinco, and then now more recently it has okay. become Flash G. Okay, so two, two, but two good names by the two way. very two very good names. Now now he has not produced as far as we can tell. He's not producing new music in a few years. It's been a while, but he did produce not just music, but music videos. This is really where he, you know, kind of separates himself. We have some fairly high, high quality production music videos um, that Jake and I have enjoyed for years back for a while. So, but again, like we said, 
I don't know if what I'm listening to is any good. I'm enjoying it. And, you know, Matt Ritchie can't stop me from enjoying it. But I wanted to hear what, what he had to say about these two songs. Go ahead, Jake. So let's begin with I'm the Man. Ain't my squad can't handle. Uh, Mr. Ritchie, is this a good song? I want to preface that um, I don't think, I think, how many songs are there? Four? There are six songs. Six songs. I think five of them are not good songs. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and not and not and just in terms of just in the grand scheme of it, there's 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 just a collection of not good songs here. But <laughs> I'm the man is one of those songs where it's like if you are randomly at a party that is playing a bunch of melodic rap that sort of that sort of can just fade into the background i'm the man could sneak in there and you wouldn't even blink an eye and 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 that and that is to its credit because it's not it's not nearly as offensive as like a lot of bad music can be which is which is half the battle honestly like if if it's not i i have a rule for like certain certain types of songs where if it's not if it's offending me in the first 15 seconds, I'm turning it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do any of that for G Cinco, uh, for for Flash G. I was I was like, this is fine. I could I yeah. could play this and not hate myself fully. <laughs> yes, that's kind of where we've landed on it. Uh, now, also, I, I will say that the videos play a big role in the enjoyment for both of these songs, Good and video. so obviously. We encourage you to you know check out the the links to all of these bad songs in the description so you can know what we're talking about. But truly, the videos for these, for a variety of reasons, ranging from like the quote unquote narrative of what's going on in the video to just like the actual scene of like Nick Gordon hanging out with his high school friends. It, it, with wearing a variety of very, very random baseball jerseys that are mostly associated with the Gordon family is quite enjoyable. Um, so I just want to say that the video adds a lot to that. And I, I love that the video is basically double as like his highlight tape. That mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's that is very that's very like oh if I if I were to make a music video about me being a baseball player in my journey. Of course, I'm putting in multiple home runs and steals and oh yeah, and clips and like oh like look at all these trophies I won. Yeah, it's, it is it is the stunting. It's like the rap stunning version of like just just being proud of yourself, which I I I, I dig. I'm a fan. And also uh, the other thing about so again, you're referring to to the, to the first one. I'm the man. That's definitely the first one we ever found. I think um, now the my life that one not only does that include highlights, it includes. Bud Selig announcing him, which I believe was Bud Selig's final draft. I could be, maybe it was 2015. But the <laughs> only appearance Bud Selig has ever made in a rap song. I, I, I would oh, assume I, so. I, would, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't well, appearance, say that. Appearance versus reference. A- appearance, like there's probably some Bud Selig recordings somewhere <laughs> in the middle of like mid 2000s rap. Um, maybe, something. yeah. Maybe, but, but but at least at least the, the time he's appeared in a music video, I will give you that. But I just love like again the the juxtap- you you talk about the highlights, and that's true. You have like some actual sick plays, but like especially I think this is again in in my life and I'm, I'm the man. But 
when you see like three seconds of him like lining a ball up the middle in BP and in, in like a showcase <laughs> w- with like the B, like that just again, like this is why we are talking about this on this podcast because it is it is so hilariously unintentionally directed at us. Um, and it's great, it's great. And, and honestly, again, the, the the last thing on 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 G Cinco that I wanted to kind of ask you about is like. The production level from the video to like everything, like he was making these when he was, and clearly he, you know, the Gordon family maybe had more resources than the average minor leaguer, but at the same time, like I feel like they, they really put a real effort in. You know, this wasn't just like, let me open the MacBook and record something. And I think what's underrated is that a lot of people in their lives have people who do stuff. Like you may not know it. But there's maybe four to five people in your life that make beats, mm-hmm. that that know how to shoot video, that mm-hmm. even know how to edit video. And so, yeah, it was probably like the production value is really good. But it's also that maybe maybe Nick Gordon like lucked into just having some friends who oh totally were like were like oh I I can make some beats or mm-hmm. I didn't look at the pr- production credits because I wasn't going to I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't I wasn't going to I wasn't going to see who produced and engineered it and who and where the studio was at. I wasn't I wasn't doing all that. But so I my favorite thing about G Cinco's songs is that there's no curse words at all. Clean. Do you notice clean, that? Clean like and you know what? You could play it in a ballpark. That could show up at Target <laughs> Field. He like so my understanding is he has used I don't think either of these two songs, but I'm almost certain he has used his own music as walk-ups, definitely in the minor leagues. I've heard, but I don't know if he's carried that over to the big leagues. But I think that I, I totally agree. That part that part stands out and how intentional is that? How much of that is I am gonna be a major league baseball player and it would be easier for me if I'm making clean music than 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 not. You know, from a from a pub, from a PR standpoint, I don't know if that was some some guidance he received. But the other thing, again, when we talk about resources and whatnot, is the fact that the "I'm the Man" video is on the official World Star Hip Hop page, correct? With twenty seven million uh, subscribers, is, but it's also just so so easy to get on the World Star Hip Hop. Like, <laughs> like okay, good. Well, like, that, that's why I wanted to ask you: Is that a notable achievement? That is I mean, I, I mean. There's a lot. There's a lot of music videos on World Star Hip Hop. Like, yeah. it's it's basically like the tissues of of like <laughs> the music industry. It's like, oh, like there's another one. Like, oh, just just use this. <laughs> use another one. It, okay. It's it's not particularly hard. Um, right. Which is which is fair and reflected in the fact that this video only has sixty five thousand views. Um, in six years, despite being on a channel with 27 million subscribers. Yeah. So in that sense, totally fair. I, I was just curious about that because it stood out to me. But anyway. So we all know that the um, gold standard for any baseball-related song is Center Field by John Fogarty. So, uh, Mr. Ritchie, how many Fogarty's out of five, how many Fogarty's do you give Nick Gordon? Oh, I give I give Nick Gordon three... Fogarty's. Ooh, three right, Fogarty's. Three Fogarty's. That's three, that's, a, that's a, three Fogarty's. And we're and we're co- again like distinguishing between these two songs. And there's other songs that that you know we could have sent you. It's all vaguely <laughs> similar. So again, G Cinco. We 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 still bump this all the time. So uh, I I I I feel great about you giving it three and not one or two. You so. know you know my you know what my biggest fear is if I made a song 
like made a rap song, made it my walk up. And then I hear someone in the crowd be like, wow, that's ass. Like, wow, that is a terrible, <laughs> that is a terrible song. Who, why would he, pick, why would he, pick the, why would he pick this as his walk up song? It's like, I'm falling asleep. So I hope no one does that to Nick Gordon. I hope oh. like his walk up song just like flew under the radar okay. when he used it. And like his teammates yeah. just knew. Cause it, well, it's, it's, it's not, it's not hateful. It's not. No, a, it's not no, a, totally. No. And, and again, like, no matter what, like you again making a song that's your own walk up, like, I, cool. Regardless, is a is just a great thing. Like I, regardless of the quality of the song, is just a great. Thing. Okay, great. So that that we've we've crossed off G Cinco. Where would you like to go next? Yes, down down the list. Um, El Felino, Ronnie Rodriguez, Mi Sueño. All right. So Ronnie Rodriguez, um, maybe even less known as a major leaguer, has only. Only played in the major leagues for two seasons, uh, two very memorable seasons with the Detroit Tigers, 2018, 2019. You know, utility infielder, not someone that necessarily stood out uh, for his his on-field production, but um, he did, uh, he, he has continued on. I don't know how recently he's made music, but he his career as a musician, particularly in the Dominican Republic, uh, has has truly uh, escalated him to a, a different level of celebrity in his native land. So, Jake, anything else to add about Ronnie Rod before we talk about his? Again, that that is he goes by uh, El Felino. So, I'm not sure the last time that he's made music, but he does have a record uh, label, I believe, and that mm. is an important thing to note. Felino Records Music, uh, the logo of which has uh, baseball bats in it. So, I would imagine that he is either an investor, an owner, or in charge of this record label through which he posted, uh, he released his own track, Mi Sueño. Uh, my Spanish is uh, decidedly poor. However, I do know that this means my dream. Attaboy. <laughs> Stay hot, Jake. Uh, Ronnie Rodriguez, Mi Sueño. Luchando por mi sueño, no me detendría. This video has, I believe, 1.2 million views, which is incredible. Uh, did it deserve 1.1? Did it deserve that type of play, Mr. Richie? Absolutely. This is this is the this is the only good song on the list. Mm, uh, okay. <laughs> it, and I don't think it's particularly close. Um, but I also have a dangerous affliction. For uh, like Dominican rap, uh, it's it's a problem. Uh, but the mixture of guy who's like not great at rapping and a perfect singing voice, it's unbeatable. And and Dominican Dominican artists, Dominican rap artists have drilled that formula down into a T to where. They can be like as like below average as a rapper as they can, but as long as the hook is like a perfect construction of a guy who is just flawless, I don't care. It's 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 our it's I've, I'm I'm already sold, and that that is what happened when I clicked on Musueño. I was like, I was first like, oh my gosh, is that is that Ronnie singing? I was like, no, it's not Ronnie singing, but it was El Jerry, it was Jerry El Tenido Perfecto, which is Jerry's the perfect voice. And, <laughs> and again, can't, can't, you know, can't can't refute that, right? And yeah, again, no lies detected. The video, which is essentially Ronnie and Jerry on a baseball field with 
fancy cars while a bunch of kids are taking ground balls um, is relatively is fancy it, cars. Relatively fancy. I mean, it's I believe it's a Camaro and a Land Rover. That's not. Okay, the no, Cam- I know. Sure, the, the sure. Camaro, I don't want. Camaro don't... was my dream car um, after I saw Transformers yeah. in two thousand like seven. Me, me, Swayno, yeah. as, as yeah. you just said. <laughs> no, I was saying your Swayno, your Swayno car. <laughs> like what, to your point about what it sounds like, like it is. So th- these kind of songs can sound so heartfelt, right? Even if you don't know Spanish, Jake and I have found ourselves on many a many a Spotify playlist. Where it's like some of these, especially as walk-up songs, we, we became especially uh, connected to Victor Robles' walk-up song at one point. For it's a little bit of a slightly different category. It's not not necessarily hip hop, but you know, kind of Latin ballads and whatnot. Um, it's great, but then again, juxtaposed with the with the music video is is awesome because this this video seems it's like it's a it's an incredible combination of both like flexing that I'm a famous big leaguer, you know, and also being like. This is my, as I said, it's my, this is what I've, I've wanted to do. This is my dream. Like, it means a lot to these kids. It means all, all these different things. Like, it's a, it's a very interesting story that that uh, that it seems like he's trying to tell. And it sounds pretty good. I think the last clip in the video, I want to talk about this, is a video of him hitting a home run, uh, which I would imagine is his first home run in the big leagues. I will double check it. I'll but for that, a player yeah. who put up negative 2.2 career wins above replacement, I think this song puts into context what, like, making the big leagues in and of itself is the dream realized. And we see that at the end of the video where he's like, I hit a home run in the major leagues. Who are you? Yes. And you are correct. I, it, that is his first career home run. Uh, off James Shields on August 23rd, 2018. Oh my gosh. James Shields was pitching in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was his last year because, you know, now he's on the on the Hall of Fame ballot. So um, Ron, that Rodriguez was not, put him into retirement. That's, it's also that's, very that's funny because he's he's wearing his um, uh, what's it called? The pl- what, what I'm completely blanking on what they called those. The players, not pl- players, what, what, players weekend, players. We, yeah, the players weekend uh, jersey. So I don't know. Oh, did his. I'm not sure. Did his did his jersey say El Felino? <laughs> I have to go oh, back. I hope it did. I hope it did. See that. that would be that would be unreal. Yeah, but anyway, oh yeah, it totally does. It like absolutely does. Uh, <laughs> so that's amazing too. But anyway, is that a fair, uh, Mr. Richie? Any other any other comments on again the quality? Like you said, like, this is the one that you thought was good. So that that's pretty important. Yeah, like like if this came on after Table Tape like remix. Uh, on a playlist I, again it's as long as it's not inoffensive like offensively bad it could sneak in and this one is where i could actually see myself like jamming out to it and really 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 getting into the rhythm of the song without without any question i wouldn't look up um what the song hmm. is like if it was on the playlist i wouldn't look at my phone but hmm. i'd be like oh this is this is cool this is i if I was busy, I, w- I wouldn't tear myself away. But it's not like it was, it's, it's not it's not bad at all. It's not bad. It's a little slow. It is like you can't really dance to it, but that's okay. Uh, it is a heartfelt jam. And how many Fogarty's do you give it? Oh, I give this four and a half Fogarty's. <laughs> four and a half Fogarty's. Hey, put Ronnie put Ronnie Rodriguez. Rodriguez in, Coach. He's ready to play. He's, he's this guy. Ready to play. <laughs> 
it's it's so, it's it's somewhere in between center field and Orioles magic. That's where that's <laughs> okay. where that's where Mi Sueño uh, exists on the baseball song pantheon. Yeah, uh, Ronnie Rod, um, you know, five eighty four OPS uh, in in Mexico this year, not great. But you know what? Maybe maybe he can continue. If, if the 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 more he struggles to hit, the more he will hopefully produce more music. This seems like a man who has successfully diversified his assets moving yes. forward. Uh, speaking of someone who is <laughs> all of his eggs are in different baskets. Speaking of a man with a lot of eggs, Marcus Stroman is the next artist we are going to review. We don't need to review who Marcus Stroman the player is because he just got paid a lot of money in free agency by the New York <laughs> Yankees. And if you're listening to this podcast, we had a long conversation about Marcus Stroman the character on Monday. But one of the things that I think often gets overlooked about Marcus Stroman is that he went to Duke. Okay? He went to Duke, and for better or worse, a certain person goes to Duke. And while he was at Duke, he became good friends with a rapper by the name of Mike Studd, who is famous. Like, he is a famous rapper, right? You would dis describe him as famous. <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't you, I, again, I don't know who mike stud is personally yeah J jake again we've we we have different definitions of famous i think we've learned okay, that okay. Uh, this, in recent this years this was my first time seeing who mike stud was as okay a, 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 the concept of a human being named mike stud like that this that was totally novel i was like oh wow I was like Marcus Stroman, and is that a is that a nickname? Is I, so I was just like <laughs> I, I was like is that a is that a legal Mister Stud? Is that is that his name? Um, so no. So just to be clear, Mike Mister Stud um, <laughs> has a video, I, I believe, with Marcus Stroman in which Stroman is rapping that has forty three million views. Okay, that is a lot. And, and, and one of them was not Matthew Ritchie. <laughs> Matthew Ritchie was none of those 43 million views. He was not hip to the stud. Not hip to the stud. So yeah, this video of Marcus Stroman rapping with Mike Stud has 43 million views. Is it good though? Me made it rain in Vegas with the MVP, JD, no whiskey. Oh, this is where you asked me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's particularly good. Um, it feels... It's not going it to come up. When, it it's, out. Not gonna, it's not going to come up when we talk about Tyler Beatty. Um, <laughs> but there is a certain genre of white guys who rap, and for some reason, the Mike Stud song just rubs me a little the wrong way. Mm. Just like, like, not in the way that Hoodie Allen would rub me the wrong way, where Hoodie <laughs> Allen was like, "Oh, I'm a joke." Oh, it's me. Okay. Not not in the way Lil Dicky rubs me the wrong way, where he's like, I'm really serious about rap, but also I'm funny, but also it's mm. a joke. Too many things at once. Is this in like the G Easy category? It's oh, it's right there. It's it's okay. it's, it's it's where Mike Sutton is like, This is this is this is what I was meant to do. <laughs> this 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 one, this was my is this it was my this was my calling. Um and it, like I just, it, I just didn't enjoy a single second of his verse. That's fine. Okay, but yes, 
But Mike Stutt only played college baseball. He did not play (laughs) professional baseball. And so, therefore, he is not – this is not – he is not the topic of our scorn. Marcus Stroman, who is a top 100 player in the world, uh, (laughs) and this is when he was, like, really beginning his career. I believe this song came out in, like, 2016. So, Stroman was, like, coming on the scene. He's a big deal. Uh, And in his verse, he does reference various baseball things. One that stayed out to me was made it rain in Vegas with the MVP – JD, no whiskey. He's referring to Josh Donaldson and distinguishing him from Jack Daniels, which I think is important in this context. I also love a good reference to the things that you do. Uh, AKA okay. reference, referencing your own brand in a verse never gets old. Uh, heart doesn't measure height. He dropped, he, he name drops his own brand. And I was like, Oh, like it's either, I don't remember when he like actually started making, the stuff, but that's a uh, it's either foreshadowing or um, just shouting yourself out, which is classic. Not you just should, yeah, not just referencing it. Literally, the lyric is trademark HDMH for life. Yeah, that's right. So I copyright. <laughs> like it's the most, and not even meta. Like he's being like, yes, just so you all know, like this is my brand. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't so like funny. no nobody else can use this brand. Just reminding you, this is illegal. This is a legal <laughs> binding tender. You you cannot. Nobody else can use it. Which is famously what makes a good rap line. Um, oh. Just 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 when you get into contract contract law in the middle of your verse, it's. Um, I think I think that's always good. Um, yeah. um, my favorite part is at the end where he says, "Legendary comeback ACL incision." Yeah. So, this is the coolest thing about Marcus Roman, in my opinion, was the year where he his he tore his ACL in spring training. And was like, I'm going to pitch again this year. And everyone was like, you're nuts. And then he did. He did. Like, he did do that thing. No matter what you want to say about Marcus Rowe, like, he said he was going to do it. And he did it. And it was awesome. Like, when he showed up at the end of that year and he pitched, that was unbelievable. I like that the final line of this of this verse is the coolest thing he has ever done in his life. And that had just happened. Right. So this song, again, if it's coming out in early 2016, like he had done that at the end of 2015. So it was fresh. And to your point, that was still only his second year in the majors. So it was like, oh, like that's what Marcus Stroman is about, which is great. Uh, he's making sure he's, 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 he's playing the hits in that sense. He's making sure you know what he is about. It's also very important. Not it, people, people really deviate on this topic, but it, it is very good when someone lives their raps. Um, and Mar- and Marcus Stroman does a really great job of making sure that you know that these things happen to him and there's empirical proof and I'm going to rap about it and you can't say that I didn't do this. You can't say that I'm false claiming. I, he's like, nope, this is my life. I'm rapping about it. And which is why his verse was fine. Perfectly mm-hmm. fine. I turned the song off after Marcus's verse because. <laughs> <laughs> like, All right, I'm because, done here. Because it was halfway through. And I was like, all right, cool. He's not ra- he's not rapping again. I I paid my I paid my penance. To <laughs> Just make sure I'm not missing any other any <laughs> other a, bars from Marcus. Right. That's a great point. Like there is no false claiming in his verse at all. No, no, there's no there's no cap in his rap. And that's what mm-hmm. I and that's what I really appreciate about about Marcus Strowman's appearance on Mike Studd's song these days. Okay, so <laughs> okay. He, let's, okay, let's so. deliver <laughs> the Fogarty's. Deliver the Fogarty's. And then I want to yeah. do Tyler Beatty next and finish with Adam Wainwright, because I think we might as well just just you know, finish out the, the rap conversation rap conversation here. 
Uh, so how many how many Fogarty's for how many? Just, uh, uh, yeah, just Stroman Fogarty's yeah, for let's, Stroman. Let's yeah, let's let's not. Nobody really cares what anyone feels about Mike's thought. I mean, it's funny, so you can give it negative ten Fogarty's if you want. But we're here to judge baseball player music. So go ahead. I I prefer Nick Gordon's melodic rap over. Mm-hmm. Mike uh Marcus Stroman's uh like Damian Lillard impersonation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Marcus Stroman two Fogarty's. Two Fogarty's. Uh, Got it. Two Fogarty's. two Fogarty's. Okay. <laughs> so we're putting G Cinco in before uh Marcus Stroman. Uh just yeah, hopefully he, coach he, knows he, that. He, ma- he makes the haul. <laughs> okay. Okay. So all right, so now uh, let's move on. Just to be clear, yeah. just quickly, uh Mr. Studd in his freshman season as a closer at Duke. Uh, through 50 innings with a 161 ERA. So and then I think he blew He out. was like then he yeah, blew I, out. I'm, um, I'm scrolling I'm scrolling the Wikipedia. He looks like he was a dog. He looks like he he looks like it looks like he was just shoving, which can't take that away from him. Looks like I that's will, what he was born to do. <laughs> yeah, and 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 then then he started making music. He has so many he has so many albums. Yeah. <laughs> he played in the cave. He played in the cave. <laughs> He played in the Cape, and he has six mixtapes and like seven albums. <laughs> okay, so he's prolific. What can you we say? have we have covered uh, already two uh, first rounders in Nick Gordon and Marcus Stroman um, from Olympia High School in Florida and Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. We now go to Tyler Beatty, a right-handed pitcher who was also a first-round pick in 2014, same draft as Nick Gordon. Wow. 2014 first round, just churning out absolute musical superstars. <laughs> Tyler Beatty, who has not pitched in the big league since 2022, but I do believe is he is currently on the, uh, hey, I'm, I'm working at, I don't know if it's Tread or whatever. It's like, I'm throwing hard again, and now he's probably ended up back in the big leagues. He was with the Giants for a while, briefly with the Pirates. Um, but most importantly, and the reason why we're talking about him here is because he too – at one point was making rap music under the name Young Beta. Uh, now, um, I'm not even going to... You know what? Let's just kick it to you, Matt Ritchie. Uh, we sent you the song uh, 508 to the Bill. And the love of the game no longer lasts. And I'm sitting there asking myself these questions that got me laughing because I'm the result of Now, here's, here's, here's an important distinction here, okay? Marcus Stroman doing his music after he's a big leader for two years. Nick Gordon doing music after he's a first-round pick doing all these things. This song came out while Tyler Beatty is like a freshman at Vanderbilt. This is before. Now, he was drafted out of high school too. So he was fairly well-known in the in the baseball circles. But this is, we're talking about a, a, a 19 or 20-year-old kid trying to make rap music. And take it away, Matthew Ritchie. Uh, there's, I think the first thing that hit me when I, press play was that there was a Mr. Blue Sky sample just in from by electric light orchestra just just churning in the background and it made it hard to focus on anything else because there's one thing that all kind of annoys me is like badly used samples Mm. and so it's like it's just Mr. Blue Sky just just circling in the back of my mind while Tyler Beatty's rapping about his journey. And I couldn't, I couldn't even focus on it. It's, it's, it was just, it was, it wasn't nauseating. It was, um, <laughs> it, it was 
it was just a wee bit irritating. And it was, and it like, you know, like when there's like a high pitched noise <laughs> at like a grocery store or like wow. at a hair, at like a Harris Teeter. And like, and when Damn, Harris Teeter, Harris Teeter, at, at Harris Teeter yep. when, when, when the door opens, there's like a really high pitched noise to keep the birds out of the supermarket. Mm-hmm. That is what that Mr. Blue Sky sample on 508 to the Ville sounds like to my brain. <laughs> and it, <laughs> this, it was just so annoying. Yeah. Yeah. And so I couldn't even focus on Tyler Beatty's like rapping, which sick which lyrics, honest, yeah. which honestly might be a little bit of a credit. It's, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's why you get the distracting sample. Now I will say again, like I would guess that this is not a situation where Tyler Beatty 10 years later, it's like, yo, that was sick. Like he, right. by now he's probably like, wow, that was very funny that I did that, that I made these songs. Which but is, they're which, still which on the internet. Good. With but which is why I am perfectly okay with Tyler Beatty existing <laughs> way more than I am with with a lot of these other with, a lot of these other <laughs> with guys. Mike Studd producing eight albums. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my my read on Tyler Beatty, okay, my read on Tyler Beatty is that he was kind of like a musical theater kid, and I just sent you a clip of Tyler Beatty doing jazz hands in mm-hmm. a very endearing, albeit dorky, high school uh, kind of m- musical theater performance. Mm-hmm. And so I think that his foray into rap came from a a history of music. Now, I don't want to sit here on this podcast as a Caucasian individual justifying Tyler Beatty's mediocre rapping. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm sounds saying like, it sounds that, like what you're gear enough to do. I am saying that his the through line of Tyler Beatty getting to 508 to the Ville, which is a bad song, is bad understandable. Song. Understandable, right? He didn't wake up one day and was like, I want to make rap music. I think that he, as he aged, was involved in production and theater and performance. I would be interested to hear from Tyler Beatty now looking back on what I'm sure he admits is not good sounds. I think I think also what's important is that Tyler Beatty seems like a chiller. He just seems yeah. he just seems he just seems like a guy that like people like to hang out around. And he ta- I think he talked about cuz you sent me the young Beatty backstory and he was like I had a couple of friends who were making beats and they were like they were like they were like Tyler, we need someone to hop on these beats and just see see if they work. Um, and I think he's like Tyler's- they don't. <laughs> <laughs> he's like no, no, no. He's, he's like, like <laughs> if you insist, like let me spit some some fire real quick. All right, well, hold on. I, if if I must, I think you Tyler Beatty's just- re- <laughs> Tyler Beatty's rap career point- was a victim of circumstance. <laughs> but he, but he okay, but hold on. <laughs> but hold on, hold on. Just just to kind of kind uh, of wrap this here, because I want to get to Wainwright. Back to your so I, I totally agree with you. And I think that like as I said, he's got way more of an excuse, whatever word you want to say. However, the lyrics in 508 to the Ville, if we're talking about, you know, no cap in his rap, like there's a lot there's some aggressive lyrics in here, not too over the top, but it makes him paints a picture of someone that it feels like he probably isn't. <laughs> which is, which is again central to rap true it's that, that 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 there's 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 lying about yourself in raps and there's also being true to yourself you mm-hmm. can be either one both both work yeah like like, like 
it 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 feels better coming from different people. <laughs> um, right, right. But here's the here's get, the thing, yeah. and this is where I'm going to give him credit before we get your your Fogarty score here. Like he dropped this shit during his freshman year at Vanderbilt, right? And presumably he had some teammates that were like, "This is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to us," right? Dear to you, whatever. Jake, right? is, Jake is looking up the roster to see and like, who oh, well, there's all kinds of big leaguers. It's 2012 to 2014, right? Like, this is in the middle. So whatever. And yet, not only was it not a distraction. Shouts out Tim Corbin. We should have asked him about that on our Vandy Points <laughs> interview. Like, he still went on to become a first round pick. Like, it's not like this. Like, it, it, he still, you know, became a major league uh, pitcher, which is pretty freaking sweet. Um, and now, and and again, when he made, it, I know he again hasn't had that much success in the big leagues, but it's like, oh. Look at young Beta. He made it. He made it from like again. It was his own adversity. Obviously, this was you know a rich kid in Massachusetts who went to Vanderbilt. But like by, by making songs like this, it was like wow, you overcame your own embarrassing music to become a major league baseball player. Inspiring All right. stuff. <laughs> All right, Sueño. Uh, I would his Sueño. Tony Kemp was on this team. Uh, Tony I Kemp. would love. Tony Kemp slandered the fuck out of Tyler Beatty for maybe for maybe two straight weeks. I can only assume oh. that he that <laughs> that every time Tyler Beatty walked into the locker room, they mm. were playing that song, no matter what. All right, Mike Yastrzemski uh, was on this team. Yeah, there are people to ask about this. Story. How many Fogarty's, uh, Matthew Ritchie? Now people trashing my dreams. Is it true what I'm hearing him say? Went from back in my decision to missing the vertebrae. Oh, Tyler, Be- Tyler Beatty gets one and a half Fogarty's. <laughs> all right. Ooh, one and a half. Hey, one right. and a half Fogarty's. That's one pretty and a half good. Fogarty's. That's pretty good. All right. Congrats <laughs> to, to young Beatty. We now move on to the grand finale. And honestly, maybe the real reason we're here. Adam Wainwright has an album coming out, gentlemen. It's a and shame that Pitchfork won't be around to review it when it comes out in a couple weeks. Yes. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, the point is, is we have at least one of his, uh, fire tracks already available. That is a song called time to fly. It is available on his, uh, on YouTube. I've been knocked down, but I always got back up. This is about again, not hip hop. So let's just get that out of the way. Obviously. But he's is it just though, dropping. We're not the experts. We're not the experts. Is it? No. He. But here he is, Wayno dropping an absolute. Just. I mean, again, I, I mean this maybe in a good way for what he's looking for. The most standard country album that's ever been made, and I'm looking forward to it, even as someone who doesn't like country, because we had a discussion on this podcast when he, you know, announced he had an album coming out. Basically, a, a, a bet about how many active, how many Major League Baseball players' names would be mentioned in the on this album. Right? And I don't remember exactly how many we said. I took the under, whatever it was. Jake's like, oh no, he's going to get all kinds of name drops. In this song, we don't have any names. He does use, you know, references being a cardinal. But sending it to you, Matthew Ritchie. Again, I don't. I actually have no clue what your opinion of country music is. Obviously, if you play baseball, you are exposed to it in between innings so much. Now, that is like super duper the most mainstream country you're ever going to get. But, you know, maybe some BP playlists get some some deep, deeper cuts. I'm not really sure your experience with that. So I don't really know how you feel about country music. I know Jake and I aren't particular fans, but we went in with an open mind with this Adam Wainwright song. What were your takeaways? 
So just to, just to preface, I enjoy country music. Um, I don't enjoy bad country music, which Mm. is like 97% of modern, all modern country music. Um, like I like Sturgill Simpson. I like a wee bit of Zach Bryan. I enjoy some Casey Musgraves. I like John Denver. Like it, like though, like it's, if you're, if you're in that realm, if you're old and you're in the seventies and you make country music, I like that as well. So like, I, I enjoy my fair share. Adam Wainwright. Um, he he he's in the ninety-seven percent of country music that I just mm, can't can't, can't stand. get there. Can't, yes. It's just it's just it's just not for me. Um, like the this this show I watch, Letterkenny. Uh, in their final season, they created like a like a fake country song in an episode, and it's about smoking cigarettes in the sun. It's about loving loving your friends. It's about and it's it's objectively like it's like an ai representation of what country music sounds like if you if you had ai be like oh what is like 99 percent of like all shitty country music sounds like and like all right do it this is adam wainwright's time to fly bingo yep Yep. it's just it's just so (laughs) it's just nothing it's like it's like it's like a it's like a piece of papyrus Mm -hmm. of just of of just country's simplicities and oh and 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 that (laughs) and that my friend is why it is going to sell oh my god it's good he's he's go he's going to make so much money (laughs) yeah like a like a like a scary amount of money for how much work that it that it's going to make to put this because kind of kind of connecting this back to our earlier conversation about about g cinco even if we don't like it, like if this is just playing among a string of random country songs, I'm not sure I'm going to notice, you know? And like, that is, I, in my, Jake's like, no, I, I could tell that's Adam Wainwright. <laughs> like I, I, I think it would just be like, okay. Now again, it's a genre that we're not necessarily enjoying at that level, but I, I do feel like it, it kind of just is like, yep, that's what a, that's a country song. Now, we talked about your lyrics being your life. And in this song, oh boy, these are, this is his life. Here's the first verse. I've been knocked down, but I always got back up. The fire keeps on burning hot deep down in my gut. You should, you might just have IBS. I still want to. (laughs) I tried to always be your rock. I tried to always be your rock. Yeah, I dug deep, never quit. But you can't outrun the clock. Dark. No, Adam Wainwright. <laughs> I mean, cannot. this song's literally like, I tried to do this as long as I could, and now I'm old. I have to move on. It's funny because the time to fly is it's time to make country music. <laughs> it's, 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 it's time to fly into the arms of Father Time and take the sweet release of my career ending. That is, that is what time to fly is the mm-hmm. crux of. I enjoyed Adam Wainwright's chase for 200 wins. However, I would argue that his time to fly was at the end of 2022 when he had a 371 ERA in 191 innings and not after 2023 when he had a 740 in 101 innings for the Cardinals. Hey, but, can't. but we're not here to talk about Adam no. Wainwright's promo we're not. to the end. We're here so, to talk, <laughs> we're here to so, talk about it's, it's time to fly. It's time to head back home. I might even I might have to go, but I won't ever be gone. Mm. 
It's a terrifying mm. image to think that Adam Wainwright's never leaving you. <laughs> he's always with me. <laughs> I mean, just, again, just it's omnipresent. Like, like it follows, but with Adam Wainwright, it's just, it's just everywhere. But again, like this is, he is speak the, the, the St. Louis fans are one of a kind and you'll always be in this heart of mine. It's time to fly. It's time to fly. Yeah. Okay. We get it. Right. It's very on. There's no, there's no like subtext. There's no like, Oh, you know, you know, what's funny, Jake, you these lyrics are on genius, right? Genius is a good site where you go and you, you find lyrics and then the be- a great thing about genius is it's like, oh, like that was an interesting lyric. Like, what does that mean? Not required for this Adam Wainwright song. None of, there's not a single line where you're like, hmm, what, what is he referring to here? <laughs> you know, so, he is giving it to you straight. So maybe for other parts of the album, there's going to be a little bit more complicated, deeper references. I'm not counting on it. Either way, I think this is a great, entry point into the Adam Wait Adam Wainwright discography. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh where it goes from here, even if it's definitely not my kind of music. Um I will gain more respect for Adam Wainwright if there's one song on the album about getting fucked up with your boys. <laughs> if there's a song <laughs> I feel like that's a second right? album kind of thing. No, it, you have you have to get he can't just he can't just do like ten songs of Man, I love my career, and I I love going That's out there saying. every day. Like you gotta, you gotta have that one song for the boy. You gotta have. That, if there's right. a song <laughs> about, it's just him tying one off with you know Matt Holiday and Yachty Molina. You know about the time that like Shelly Duncan got too drunk and vomited on like a road I trip. I think it's like, it's I in need- play. He the if if that does appear on the first album, I imagine it will be presented as more classy than you are describing. Um, think, or at least you, more like, yeah, more vague, I think. You think you think it shows up, it's like his white album. He sort of like gets like really into, yeah, he like really well, gets into right. it. Well, right. It depends if it's going to be part of this or not. Like maybe he'll take a turn where there's a little bit more raunchy stuff. I doubt it. Doubt it. Let me ask um, a question and then we'll have you fogarty it up. Adam Wainwright performed a farewell concert the last uh, home weekend of the season in front of what I believe it was like 40,000 people. Does he, in his musical life, play a bigger venue than that? No, I think he, he, he will be resigned to, not resigned, but he will be haunting House of Blueses across the country. Um, and like, and, and like Brooklyn Bowls. Uh, just, just, He's not just, going to Brooklyn Matt. Hold on, hold on. I disagree. You think, I think there's, a Brooklyn, Adam- there's a Brooklyn Bowl? There's a Brooklyn Bowl in Tennessee, but it's like a, it's like a, okay. it's like it's okay. like a, yeah, but it's like a, it's a bowling it's a alley brand. with, it's a brand, it's a brand, but like that genre of like, it's a space that's a bar that's not really a a venue. Like Got he's it. not going to he's not going to Red Rocks Amphitheater, you know? Like he's not selling. <laughs> he's that. not doing the Fillmore. But <laughs> no. here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. Like, Bush Stadium holds forty five thousand. I don't know how many people were there that day, but like, him play. The only chance he's playing something bigger than that is another baseball stadium, which I think is more likely than any actual musical venue. I'm gonna take the alternate approach, which is he's going to open for a larger country music star than him. Yes. Whether it be a Morgan Wallen or mm-hmm. a Kenny Chesney or a Jason Aldean or something. Agreed. 
he Agreed. he's gonna get embedded in this world yes. and he's going to play a song in St. Louis at a bigger venue. Although the problem is there's not a bigger venue. There isn't a bigger venue. That's my point. No. Like that Yeah, the Bush you, Stadium, the Bush Stadium mm. is the pinnacle of St. Louis. Yeah. But even again, it's just baseball, it's a it's a large stadium. So unless he's gonna play a football stadium somewhere else, I just don't it's gonna be tough for him to top that. So anyway, Matthew Ritchie. Uh fine round it out. How many Fogarty's for Adam Wainwright uh, before we say goodbye to you? Quantas Fogarty's. Quantas Fogarty's. I think – did you did you, did you you Google how many and then put it in the translate? <laughs> <laughs> I know three things in Spanish, please, okay? Um, uh, I give Adam Wainwright two Fogarty's. Um I don't think it's I don't think it's that much better than the Tyler Beatty song, but I I do think it's I do think it's it's in that tier. Mm-hmm. It doesn't reach the Marcus Stroman Nick Gordon tier for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think um, you so I I think you gave Stroman I think you gave also a two or two and a half. So mm-hmm. but you're saying it's below Stroman, above yeah. B, Young Beta. Got it. I think I yes. I agree with that. I in. Completely, one thousand percent agree with the, your your Fogarty rankings for all of these songs. Um, I feel validated that I was not missing something when I was listening to this. Like I feel like I feel like I learned from you, and I also feel like okay, like I I, I we're on the same page. It's impossible to miss anything with these songs. Okay, <laughs> they, they, they like like they like you're not what very much what you're seeing is what you're getting. Yeah. Um, the only thing that might go by is like. And the inability to understand every word that was rapped by Ronnie. Oh, Rodriguez, by El Felino? But but, <laughs> <laughs> but but otherwise, like and that's what I appreciate about these songs. It's what you what you saw is what you what you got. Totally. And oh. and that and that's all you can ask for. Spot on. Uh, uh wow. Nick Gordon, Adam Wainwright crossover when? Never. <laughs> Probably never. never. <laughs> I don't know if I'm actually curious if they ever face each other. I'm going to look that up as soon as we're done with you. Uh, Matthew Ritchie, thank you, sir. Um, follow Matt. Uh, where can where can people follow you uh, on, on wherever and see see your latest work? You can go read his read, uh, writing about Twenty One Savage. You know, like actual music. <laughs> yeah, the actual music. Um, <laughs> Relatively uh, certainly. Follow you could follow me on Twitter or Instagram. M K R W R T. That's all it is. Um, yeah, that, that's all. I, that, that's all I do. It's it's. I'm not. I'm barely on either of those anymore. But like, it's like. And and by the way, Matthew does also write about baseball. Uh, from I do. Oh, I, I do. That that's right. That's why. That's why they. That that's partly why. Yeah, I also write about baseball. Uh, oh, sometimes right, right, right. for oh, right. for uh, for MLB.com. Um, from time to time. Which is cool. Oh. Which we also like. But I'm very yeah. glad you write about music because that made this podcast an absolute delight. Uh, Matthew Richie, thank you. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, uh, we're going to get to some of your emails, some of the other news. Uh, hey, long pod today. I had a great time. Thank you, Matthew Ritchie. We'll be right back here on Baseball Barbecues. And welcome back to a long Friday version of Baseball Barbecast. Before we hop into the email bag, Jordan, any news around the league worth talking about? I mean... Yariel Rodriguez signed with the Blue Jays. That is one I'm excited about just because he is somewhat of a mystery box as someone we saw in the WBC 
looked really good. That was like the only sample he had as a starter where he looked like a competent starter for the most part. He's been a really good reliever in Japan recently. And it's interesting because the Blue Jays, unlike the Giants, where it's like you should not be relying on Jordan Hicks to be a starter, although it really seems like they're going to do that. And I'm excited to see them try. The Blue Jays have a ton of starting pitching. So if Yariel Rodriguez has to go to the bullpen, there is no problem with that. And I, it is nice to see them uh, be aggressive in getting him there. At the same time, like they have a lot more that they need to fix on offense. So I would expect to them to continue to be aggressive. Someone like Soler, someone like Reese, I don't know. So good for the Blue Jays. Uh, I'm excited to watch that dude. Maybe something will happen over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, Josh Hader of the Astros is interesting, but I, let's wait for that to actually happen. And we'll cover that uh, next week if it indeed does. Um, Great. Instead... Uh, Let's talk. Let's do emails because we haven't done these in a while. I know we're going long here, but we have like we've been getting so many good emails, and I hope that we can get to more of them as stuff continues to not happen. So we're going to do a handful today. And uh, again, you can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. Uh, and where would you like to begin? We got a lot of good email responses to the conversation about whether I'm in the 99th percentile of podcast fastball velocity. I want to thank everybody who really crunched the numbers. Quite a few number, quite a few people really got into the nitty gritty of this. Oh yeah, no, and I, I, I really appreciated the, the the degree to which people were doing some math, trying to figure it out. Um, and it seems like most people were kind of like, yeah, like you probably are in the 99th yeah. percentile of podcast velocity. And that was the consensus. However, the most interesting email I think we got on the topic was from Justin, who said, Jake is obviously correct in claiming to be in the 99th percentile of fastball velocity among podcasters. Not even a question. Trying to count who would be faster. Doolittle, CC, Mookie Betts, Colin McHugh. Love Colin, but no new pods in like a year. So I feel, you know, is he an active podcaster? Just saying. Well, Shouts out to Colin. True. Well, I was going to say, it's also relevant to who, what he's asking about. Correct. It occurred to me. And we might have an actual debate about one. Can Jake throw harder than known podcaster Jerry DePoto? The general manager of the Seattle, or sorry, the Pobo of the Seattle Mariners, Jerry DePoto, has a podcast. He has not done it in a while as uh, fan sentiment has tumbled. He has <laughs> I abandoned. Say, I, I can't decide if that is a reason for him to come back or most people don't want to hear him talk anymore. Last podcast was September 19th. A lot has happened in a very negative sense for the Seattle Mariners and Jerry DePoto since then. Um, they've sort of come back around and had like a sort of okay offseason, sort of, but not really. Uh, so I don't know when he's going to podcast again. But if we are still considering him a podcaster, do we think I, – I don't know. I actually mm, – I'm not certain. I don't remember how injured Jerry DePoto finished his career. That's something to consider for uh, a lot of former pitchers and whatnot. What do you think? Jerry DePoto pitched eight seasons in the major leagues, which would, which gives him a, a quite a leg up mm -hmm. over me, who pitched zero seasons in the major leagues. However, my advantage over Jerry DePoto is that I am 28, and Jerry DePoto turns 56 in May. I am 100 percent certain that I can throw a fastball harder than Jerry DePoto right now. Jerry mm. is in good shape for a 55 year old. I'm not trying to be ageist here. I am sure that I can throw a fastball harder than Jerry DePoto. Jerry, I know you're not listening, but again, though, challenge. it does spring training on the radar gun. Me versus you taking you down. 
we we love asking people when's the last time they threw a baseball max effort, and he's someone I would like to know that. So, um, you know who we should ask this is his son Jonah. Yes, uh, we will message him and get back to you. All right, let's let's move on. Who is our next email from? Our next email is from Sam. Sam says, hey, Jake and Jordan, I'm sitting at work procrastinating and wondering if it could be fun for the league to start promoting more thematic rivalries between teams on top of the natural, regional, and divisional rivalries, like the White Sox versus the Red Sox, Battle of the Sox, Red Sox versus Reds, Red, Jays O's cards, bird battles, Mariners, Pirates, seafaring rivals, (laughs) Phillies, Angels, teams named after their city. I think Manfred will be owing me a lot of money when he gets his hands on this awesome marketing plan. What do you think? Love the podcast. Thanks for all you do, Sam. Jordan, thoughts? Uh, Sam's all over it. Um, I can't believe no none of these no have emerged um, as as more legitimate rivalries, <laughs> particularly the Seafair. Mariners-Pirates is a pretty delightful – because Mariners-Pirates is – I know interleague is more normal now. That is like top-tier weird interleague. And I saw I, I saw the Mariners play in Pittsburgh a few years ago, and it was very strange. But at no point did it cross my mind that I was watching a rivalry game. Sam, there is one that you missed. Uh, and it is maybe the greatest rivalry of them all if you live in the United States of America. And that is the Yankees versus the Royals. I'm Ooh. not sure if you know a lot about the American Revolution. <laughs> Okay, the origin of our nation, but Yankees versus Royals was a very lengthy confrontation. That's in fact that stretched all the way to the the War of eighteen twelve. If you really want to dig into it, I was going to say though, and it is it is apt that the Yankees have dominated the Royals over (laughs) their tenures as Major League Baseball teams. So what I propose is that when the Yankees play the Royals, the Yankees dress up in revolutionary era, like Patriot, militia, Battle of Lexington and Concord bullshit. And the Royals have to like wear red coats. And we really like play that up. I love this. I was about to say like, oh, well, you would, you know, you'd play it on July 4th, but that doesn't seem fair. You'd want it to be more, more of a neutral date to at least make it feel like it was more of a competition, even though it isn't. Right, it's like we're spotting the Roy. Like, are we giving the Yankees, you know, a ten run lead to start? I don't know, but it's so true that the Yankees and Royals in in the history of baseball, it's not been particularly close. So uh, that's a great point, and I just listened to a full podcast about the American Revolution, actually, and what the American revolutionaries were great at was losing well. George Washington was the master of the of the you know the great the loss calculated retreat. He was yep. oh they were piling up great losses, and so I believe like the Battle of Brooklyn Heights is thought of as like a a, a battle that the Brits won, mm-hmm. but the, the the Yankees got away, and it was in New York. That was August twenty seventh, seventeen seventy six. So every year August twenty seventh, Yankees Royals they play in Brooklyn in Prospect Park. Oh, I in see Brooklyn. no downsides. Love that. In Brooklyn. One more idea. Red Sox versus White Sox. Whoever loses the season series, no socks for you the following no. year when you play yes. the series. You have to play sockless. I love that idea. I don't know. I would say the degree to which how dangerous that is is probably somewhat weather dependent. <laughs> um, but either way, I love that idea. Uh, take their socks away. 
Our next email comes from Chris, not producer Chris, although he's here too. Hi, Chris. Uh, Chris says, hi guys. I've been wondering for years why right-handed pitchers never attempt to pick off of third base. It seems with a little practice of the timing, pitchers could catch someone napping in a big spot. I don't remember the last time I even saw an attempt. What am I missing? Greeting from Sweden. All right. We got Swedish. I don't know if Chris is actually Swedish, but he is in Sweden. Hello, Chris. Thank you. Uh, Jake, you were a right-handed pitcher. Do you ever pick anyone off a third? No, but we tried. Uh, This was a play that we practiced quite a bit on my college team. In fact, when my college team was in the College World Series, D3 College World Series in 2021, they picked someone off with this play in a World Series game. And all the alumni that were watching, we lost our minds because we spent so much time, time that we thought was wasted, working on this play. The reason that you don't see it at the big league level, the right-handed pick off a third base, is that the, the timing that's required is really perfect. It, it needs to be perfect. And it requires the third baseman to be positioned pretty close to the bat. Which they so and, rarely are. Which they so rarely are. And it's just not worth it. Like you're gaining more run prevention by playing the third baseman further away from the bat. And the risk of bungling that is the run scores, whereas the risk of throwing it past the first baseman is much less so. I don't want to sound like a crotchety old baseball analyst, but I do think that nowadays pitchers are very bad at throwing to bases. Yep. I think that is a skill that has gotten worse, and I just would not trust most pitchers to pull this off without throwing the ball into the seats. Semi-related, though, is like I, especially with, even with the shift being banned, you still have third baseman way off. And I am always surprised. And I've, I've asked coaches about this, why, like the kinds of leads, whether it does, whether it involves stealing home or not, like it feels like guys could get even farther off third than they do sometimes because they're not going to do, like, I, sometimes you see guys just run at them, not even throw, right? That's another option. Obviously, you're also in some ways just trying to draw a balk. Um, so anyway, yeah. all right. Our, uh, we have one more email and that is from Nick. Nick, Nick says, says I'll do it. Shut up, Jordan. Hey ahead. fellows. Sorry. Great to have oh, you both back me. from your overseas excursions. Love the podcast with Benji Nyson. First, here's a take on the MLB logo tattoo that Jordan spotted on the beach. For those of you who don't remember, Jordan was in the U S Virgin Islands and saw a dude with a back tattoo of the MLB logo. And we discussed it at length. As you probably know, the MLB logo was designed by Jerry Dior, who passed in 2015. Maybe that beach dude was Jerry's son. Honestly, great theory. Sure. Great theory. I would say that if it was Jerry's son, the tattoo would have been done better. Yeah. And yeah, but I still love the theory. So continue. Yeah. Also, I've never learned how Morgan Sword is how old Morgan Sword is or what he looks like, but based upon job description and name alone, I wouldn't be surprised he's a college baseball coach looking dude with that tattoo. Wrong. Couldn't uh, be Morgan more Sword. incorrect. Well, first of all, who is Morgan Sword? Because I think some people still don't even know who that is. Morgan Sword works for the league, and I he, believe his yeah. title is Executive Vice President of Baseball Operations at MLB. Yeah. He is, he's like top five important person in Major League Baseball in terms of working for the league. Um, Super involved, of course, in a lot of the CBA stuff uh, and anything involving, you know, on-field stuff related to whether it's CBA negotiations or just rule changes, all that stuff. Like rule changes, especially Morgan Sword has been like the face of it. 
<laughs> However, uh, I would not describe him as looking like a, like an old college baseball coach. Two thoughts on, on Morgan Swords. Look, uh, one, he was on 40 under 40 last year, so he's under 40. Uh, the second is he kind of looks like comedian Chris Gethard, if you know who Chris Gethard I is. I do. I do. I, okay. I, that's a that's a good comp. I will say that like if he was wearing the right combination of pullover and whatever, I could see him looking like kind of a new age college pitching coach. Like a yeah. <laughs> but he looks nothing like the guy that had the tattoo. So that's that's I one thing th- I think that's why I'm thrown off here. I don't think Morgan Sword has dipped in a decade. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Second, a question for you both. The Mariners infuriating offseason has me pondering the value of Clubhouse leadership. On one hand, it's a sports platitude. On the other, I've heard you two talk about certain players who offer 70 grade vibes. The offseason, the Mariners have dumped Suarez, Marco, and Robbie Ray, all respected veterans, and brought back Hanniger. How important is leadership or veteran personalities on a team? And do front offices consider those dynamics when making moves? The good front offices certainly do. To me, it is this simple. If you enjoy going to work and you like the people you work with, you're going to be better at your job. Full stop. I think over the course of baseball history, too much emphasis has been placed on the vibes of players because for a long time, there was no way to analyze player performance beyond that. And so it was like, well, this guy's a good hang. Like, yeah. I almost mm-hmm. think we've swung back in the other direction now where the environment within a clubhouse and how people interact with one another is an important part of the process. I mean, look at the 2023 San Diego Padres. Vibes were bad and they underperformed. Now, I know mm-hmm. that that's just one example, but I do think it's a really good example of how a lack of leadership in a clubhouse can spiral into a bad season. Yeah, and I think that it is a huge deal and a huge part of why they wanted to bring back Hanniger to begin with. I think if Mitch Hanniger wasn't who he was as a teammate, as a leader, as someone who had already been there, the rest of the profile would not necessarily be one you'd be excited you know, to bring back into your team. But not just the guys you mentioned, but like Tom Murphy was another huge part of that clubhouse. He's gone too. So I do think that, that it made a big difference there. Also why guys like Mitch Garver, who are beloved, uh, make them even more appealing uh, as free agent additions. So I think that that I, it definitely makes a difference. However, let's be clear about one thing. This is J.P. Crawford's team. Uh, yes, uh, it is. But it is now Mitch Hanniger's team again because <laughs> he was he was the guy beforehand and now he will be again. But we love J.P. Crawford. Thank you, Nick. Thank you to everyone else who emailed us. Again, keep those coming. Baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Hopefully you enjoyed this lengthy Friday edition of the show. Thank you to Matthew Ritchie for reviewing some music with us. Thank you to producer Chris for producing this episode. Hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. And we'll be back on Monday with another episode of Baseball Barbacast. Goodbye. Serious XM Podcasts.